We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it's rapid fire time. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's. Uh, this is. I think this is my favorite part of the show. I never know what's coming, so I'm. I'm ready for it. The best Vince I can said be. that last night too, and I think it's because like you guys mostly did rapid fire with me on my old show before we did this, so you're all used to doing rapid fire. Oh, we're primed and ready. That's right. That's right. Okay. Do you buy or sell that Notre Dame should be considered a legit national title contender going into this season? This is tough. I'm on the fence. National contender, you know, national championship contender with a new starting quarterback, a big kind of changeover within the coaching staff, a first-time head coach, some question marks in the secondary. I don't think that I would put them as a national title contender. Will they contend? you know, probably towards the end of the season and, and you know, the expectations be 10 and two, potentially 11 and one. Yes, but I don't think they're going to go undefeated. And I think in order for them to be national championship contenders, they got to go undefeated or 11 and one. And I just don't quite see them there yet. I know that might, you know, discourage or not be what a lot of fans want to hear, but I think a solid 10 and two season this year, anything better than, you know, eight and four, nine and three, I think is a really good year for them. I think they have, you know, getting getting Buckner the experience that he needs. You know, how much can he develop from game one to the end of the season? That's that's something big that will have to be seen. Um, but I just don't think I'm ready to put them national title contenders with the kind of questions that they have right now. How about this? They are a national title contender at least for another 32 days. <laughs> Ask me September 4th. <laughs> because, yeah, like let's see. I mean, that's. That's kind of what this is shaping up to be. When you're starting the season at Ohio State with all these factors that we've talked about, a first-time starting quarterback and a first-time head coach and all this stuff going Ohio back State's to his alma mater. Yeah. Power. Like they're yeah. going to put on – they have one of the best offenses in the country. That's right. I think that they can at least be in the conversation through that game. You know, it's it's a matter of how do they come out of that game. Or, you know – do you know if they win that game, they are automatically one of probably you know five or six who you're going to put boom squarely in that conversation. If they lose a close game, then they can still be in that conversation because it's a road game, because it's a first time head coach, because it's a first time you know quarterback, all these different things. If you, you know, so. I'm I'm not sitting here saying, well, take solace, you know, if they lose a close game and that kind of stuff. But if you look at the big picture 
if they at least play a close game on the road in that environment, you know, night game and the whole thing, then I think, yeah, they, they have every right to think that there's still a, a, a title contender. Now, obviously, 100%. you know, blowout loss is going to be another question, but, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you know, that's, that's just what it is. It's going to be really hard. It would be really hard for them to overcome, you know, a, a lopsided loss, you know, in the season opener against Ohio state for them to have any case to say, they're a national title contender unless they come out of that game and just steamroll everybody else, including, you know, Clemson and USC then at the end of the season. But I think for right now, you know, like look at last year as an example with all the talk about, you know, transition year. And, you know, I, I think I was squarely on, you know, I, I still thought that they would be 10 and two last year. They ended up only losing the one game and you can, you know, make a great argument that not even, a you know, it, they should have won that game if, you know, if they do things a little bit differently. And had they made that change with how they ran the offense with the tempo for Jack Cohen, if they were doing that in that game, they probably win that game, you know? So I guess my point is there were, I think, even lower expectations going into last year. The schedule was not as tough last year as it looks like it's going to be this year. But I, I, you know, again, September 4th is going to tell us for sure, based on what I was just talking about with, you know, with a win or a close game at Ohio State, they're still going to be in that conversation. So I think at least going into Ohio State, they should be considered on that short list because like to me, the odds were more against them last year. And with all the problems with the offensive line and inability to run the ball and all that stuff. They were still knocking on the door just outside that top five by the end of the year. So I, I'll, you know, again, the schedule is a little tougher this year, but I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say they should be a title contender going into this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Fill in the blank on this next one. And this is the question that came from uh, from the YouTube chat yesterday that we didn't get to. I, I kind of tweaked it a little bit. Fill in the blank. The first players, plural, coming off that you want coming off the bus when the Irish visit Ohio State 
should be blank. You know, the way I'm looking at this is players come off the bus. Usually you have an offensive bus and you have a defensive bus. Uh, coming off the offensive bus, I think the charge should be led by Michael Mayer and presumably Buckner. You know, I'm about 90% sure he's going to be the starter. Uh, defensively, I think you need to go with Isaiah Foskey and potentially another, you know, probably maybe like another linebacker, maybe Bertrand coming out, just guys who are the Notre Dame standard. They've been at Notre Dame for a while. They're tough guys. They have tough mentality. You know, they bring that edginess to them. Um, I think those are the guys that I would be going with. And obviously, you know, Buckner, yeah, he's a first-time starter, but you got to show that you're you're behind your guy. You know, the quarterback is that one position where you, you whoever's named starter, they're automatically kind of one of those team leaders, you know, uh, not, not, not only offensively, but defensively, it's just the guy who's leading you into battle, the most important position on the field. So for me, it's got to be Buckner and Mayer offensively and defensively. I would go Foskey and Bertrand. See, I was looking at, you know, like a little more gun show, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, and I don't know if that was necessarily, you know, the, the you know, specific intent, but like, like, did you see the picture of the tight ends the other day, you know, and Michael Mayer in the guns? that he's gone on him, you know, like you need him in, you know, in, in, in like his Hulk Hogan, you know, t-shirt with no sleeves <laughs> and, and just jacked coming off the, the bus. I'm sure they'll have a suit on and stuff. So it's not going to matter as much, but yeah, I mean, I definitely think Michael Mayer needs to be there. Foskey needs to be there. JD Bertrand, he's got some guns of his own, you know, he's pretty piped up. So, and, and I think, you know, if you're going to, if, if you're going by, you know, who's rocked up, Audric Estime is a guy that you're not going to be able to deny either. You know, he doesn't have the veteran, you know, the leadership and all that stuff that you're talking about. But, like, I'd put those four guys up against, uh, you know, probably any quartet in, in, uh, in the country in terms of who's going to run the gun show with those guys. <laughs> who's going to provide the most intimidation? That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. Okay, next question. Between Lincoln Riley at USC, Mario Cristobal at Miami, and Brian Kelly at LSU, which of those high-profile coaches is under the most pressure to win in his first year at his new school? You know, this one was tough for me. I think you can throw out Mario Cristobal. You know, Miami is really set on you know going from Oregon to Miami I don't know what kind of move you would consider that you know if, is that a lateral is that an upward is that a downward I don't know what you would consider that move and I don't think Mario Cristobal has a lot of pressure because Miami has stunk you know for a while now and they're just looking for someone to kind of get their head above the water at least right um but for me it comes down to Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly uh most importantly and I'll tell you why because Lincoln Riley left a situation at Oklahoma where he was kind of the catalyst behind the reason, I think, for why they were shifting to the SEC. You know, I think that was a big thing that he probably got into some people's ears about. And I, just quite frankly, Lincoln Riley was set at Oklahoma. You know, he had the recruiting pipeline he had. He had the national recognition. He was getting into playoffs. He was getting into the big games. And then to go to USC, who's been struggling for the last few years, who has more of that kind of national uh, past reputation when it comes to college football, I think that's a hard situation to be in because he willingly gave up a successful, you know, role and position. And I admire him to take on, you know, maybe a bigger challenge essentially. 
But you also have to look at Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly left Notre Dame and said that he wanted more and he's getting being thrown into the heart of the SEC. You got Went there to win a national championship. Right. You got Alabama, you got Texas A&M, you got, you know, Auburn, you got all these schools that are just big powerhouses. And to say you want that, you got to be able to win and back it up. And I think that's, you know, any sport at LSU, like when Paul Maneri left, uh, Notre Dame to go to LSU for baseball. He was expected to win right away. And if you don't win, they're going to be asking after even a year, you know, is this the right move? Do we need to move on already? So for me, I think Brian Kelly's got the most pressure to win. He asked to be put into the heart of the SEC. You know what those fans and boosters are like down there. They expect you to win almost right away, especially with LSU winning a national championship, you know, in the past two to three years. I think that all the pressure is on Brian Kelly and in this first season. See, I'm I'm and DT roll hunter or troll hunter. I don't know exactly, you know, what that, you know, how how we say that. Uh, you know, he he agrees with you. You know, I put some of his comments up a second ago. He says he personally thinks he's only going to win six games. And then he talked about USC having a baby soft schedule, and so all the things that you're talking about, I would rank them like this. I put Lincoln Riley at the top because of a lot of the things that you're talking about. What he left, and you know, going to USC. They're already showing up, you know, pretty high, you know, in a lot of the, you know, the way too early polls. And we haven't seen the official polls yet, but he also, you know, went out and raided Pittsburgh and brought in Jordan Addison and he's brought in all these transfers. And the fact that they do have a soft schedule, their, their schedule is going to come down to two games this year. You know, and Notre Dame is, is going to be one of them at the end of the season. But I, so I would put it Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, and then Cristobal. Because I think that with everything that Lincoln Riley has done, bringing in all these guys, you know, bringing in his own quarterback, getting Addison, doing all this stuff, leaving what he left behind, and the fact that it's the USC fan base, I think I put that over Brian Kelly at LSU because Brian Kelly, you know, he's brought in some transfers, but he's got a bigger rebuild in terms of, you know, the roster than even Lincoln Riley has because of the level of competition that the two have to play. You know, like, I think that there would be more pressure on Brian Kelly if he had as soft a schedule as what USC is going to have. You know, there would be more pressure to win. And because Lincoln Riley does have that softer schedule and all that he has done, I think I think that there's greater expectation on him right away out there at USC. And, be, and you know, and again, because... Because I think I think Brian Kelly gets a little bit of a grace period from LSU in year one, but year two I think is when it's really going to be on for him because they all they all think that he's this great recruiter and he can do all these things in recruiting. So I think there's more on Riley in year one. You know, I put him ahead of Brian Kelly by year two. It's really going to be on for for Kelly down there in Baton Rouge, though. Okay, chicken or the egg football question for you. Jess, does the quarterback make the receiver or does the receiver make the quarterback? Well, you know, this one is, this is tough. This is always, this is a classic chicken or egg debate. You know, you could sit here and think about it for a while, but unless your name is Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, maybe like the top five quarterbacks or, you know, I guess I shouldn't be inclusive uh, to the to the NFL, I think no matter what level you're at, if you're a top five, you know maybe as you go down to college, there's more teams. So top ten quarterback, 
I think it's more so the wide receiver because unless unless you're a guy like Tom Brady who can, you know, Peyton Manning, who can get up to the line of scrimmage, read what the defense is doing, audible to a favorable matchup where you might not have as great of a wide receiver, but you know you need to get him at a certain position, certain area on the field. And it doesn't really matter who the guy is because if you're open, you're open. You're going to, you know, the ball is going to be there. If you're going to catch it, you're going to catch it. But when you're not one of those top level quarterbacks and you got to have wide receivers who are maybe fighting for 50 50 balls or using their pure athleticism or ability to kind of get some catches and get by guys or get open. That's where I think that it becomes more of the, you know, the wide receiver. So at the end of the day, we all can't be like Peyton Manning or Rodgers or Brady. So for me, I think I'm going to have to lean more, so, more so towards the wide receivers. You know, I think a guy like Troy Aikman really benefited for, from, from some of the wide receivers that he had. Yes, was he a good quarterback? But I think those wide receivers really took him to the next level that's true. Uh, it, 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 you know, to the level of winning a Super Bowl. I don't I don't think Troy Aikman has the success that he has without some of those wide receivers that he had. So for me, I'm leaning towards wide receivers. Interesting. Dalton Skinner says Burrow, Rogers, Brady, Allen, Mahomes all make their wideouts reach their potential. And, you know, I guess, you know, again, it's it's almost like a chicken and egg within the chicken and the egg. Because, <laughs> you know, like when you're talking about these Hall of Fame caliber guys and I don't know if I'm ready to put Burrow there just yet but I mean for at least a year you know he was great but you know Jamar Chase is pretty good though too but you know like you were talking about some of it separation 50-50 balls and all that but Julian Edelman doesn't become Julian Edelman if he doesn't have Tom Brady you know right. and you know like you can you can look at those guys before him as well and you know like one of the first things that I thought about when I saw this question, I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw it and, you know, kind of, you know, jotted it down and, and thought it would be fun to kick around here. You know, like think about Equinemia St. Brown in his last, in his last year at Notre Dame, 2017, he led the Irish in receiving that year, 33 catches for 515 yards when he had a quarterback who was sub 50% Brandon Wimbush as a passer. But those were about half the numbers that he had the year before when he had Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> as the quarterback. And, you know, so it's like, for me, I lean the other way because of a lot of the things that you're saying. I just feel like, you know, the the good quarterbacks don't have to, you know, like we, we, we saw this all the time with Ian Book, where like he had to wait to see the receiver come open. And that's not how you play winning quarterback right. at you the highest level. Where- Sometimes that's yeah, be open. you have to throw, you have to trust, you have to throw to a spot and trust that your receiver is going to get there, you know? So, you know, maybe that makes the argument for, you know, more for the receiver. I don't know, but like the ability of the quarterback to basically trust himself and do that. And I can't remember what show I, I was watching something on, you know, like one of these NFL quarterbacks a few years back. And like, he was saying the same thing, like, the fact that, you know, uh, some someone, one of his coaches just sat and told him, it's like, look, you've just got to throw that up there sometimes. You've got to know what the route that your receiver is running is uh, and, and, you know, throw it up there and let him make a play on the ball, you know. So, you know, is that the receiver? Is that the quarterback? To me, I lean a little bit more toward the quarterback because, the you know, the, the ball has to be there and it has to be there 
on time. You know, sometimes like for these some of these elite receivers like we're we're talking about, you know, they have an even greater ability, to, you know, to go up and make those plays on the ball, you know, like a a Des Bryant or you know like look at look at the Green Bay Packers with uh with Aaron Rodgers and you know and even Brett Favre before that most of those receivers, Devontae Adams included, you know, like most of these guys that he's had over the years have started out as relatively unknown guys who have turned into, you know, all pro great receivers because of the fact that he's had that they've had Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. So I lean more toward the quarterback than the receiver. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So I guess we're going to just have to disagree on that one. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Like I said, I'm. It's it's such a hard question. But if I had to pick, yeah. you know, I mean, it's head, tough because it's like it's towards. like yin and the yin and the yang. It's you know they they do go together. You know you know that's like would Jerry Rice have been Jerry Rice without Joe Montana? You know, like by the time he got Steve Young, <laughs> he was already going to be in the Hall of Fame. But you know, it's. So I, I just I lean more toward the quarterback. It's fun to watch it go both ways, though. You know, sometimes yeah. the wide receivers pick up the quarterback and make these outstanding plays. And then sometimes the quarterback puts it in a spot and it's like how like literally the spot where it's put is probably the only spot it could have been caught. So it's like yeah. it's fun to see both of those. Yeah. Charles Barkley is staying with TNT. I don't know how happy you are about this. You watch more NBA. I'm very happy to me. He makes that show. That's right. Stand with TNT after a flirtation to move to the Live Golf Tour. He makes around ten million bucks a year just from TNT. You know that's not including his endorsements and stuff like that. So my question to you is, who deserves to be the highest paid TV analyst in sports? Uh, you know, for me, you got to look at what's what's the big market. What's you know what's the sport dominated in the United States, and that's football. Uh, so I'm looking at football, and it's got to be my man, Tony Romo. I know he was a cowboy, so everyone's going to be like, oh, he's biased. But Tony <laughs> Romo, you know, take out maybe his first, second year on the job. You know, maybe he was a little kind of too hyper fixated on, you know, trying to predict plays and all that stuff. But I think, and it goes into the point of why I like him so much, is I genuinely think that just comes from his enthusiasm. Like, he just gets, like, word vomit sometimes because he's so excited <laughs> to just be talking about football and watching some of you know the best in the business do it and then at the same time Tony Romo breaks things down in a way that the common maybe viewer wouldn't understand but he puts it in a way that is very understandable he helps you kind of expand your football knowledge he's having a lot of fun there's a lot of you know a lot of enthusiasm at the same time so 
for me, it's got to be Tony Romo for those reasons. He's constantly enthusiastic about what he does, and he's constantly, you know, allowing the viewer or the listener to become a better rounded kind of football uh, knowledge based at the end of the day. Yeah. Seeing some comments uh, for people uh, nominating play-by-play guys like Gus Johnson and, and Mike Tarico. We're not talking about the play-by-play guys. We can talk about those guys at another point. We're talking about just the analysts. In other words, the former player, you know, analyzing, you know, whether it's the play or the studio or any of that kind of stuff. And I agree with everything you say about Romo. I mean, you know, he was the highest paid analyst for a time. And then Troy Aikman said, I deserve to be paid more. And he got his, you know, he, he got <laughs> the his battle money. of Dallas quarterbacks. That's right. And then here comes uh, Tom Brady and he's getting even more, even though it sounds like he's going to have to do more than just be an analyst to make, you know, his money. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I, so for football, there's no doubt it's Tony Romo to me. I actually think that like, it, it probably should be Barkley. Now, you know, I think you started off by saying football and specifically the NFL is the biggest, most popular sport. So based on that, it should probably be a football analyst. But like the NBA gets nowhere near the viewership that the NFL gets, yet everyone is always talking about inside the NBA on TNT. And the reason they talk about it is because of Charles Barkley. Like you could almost... You know, you could put Barkley, you know, it's the reason that Live Golf wanted him. You could put Barkley in probably any studio show, whether it's, you know, football, basketball. You know, he crosses over and, and talks about college. No, he doesn't often, you know, he obviously doesn't know all the college players all the time. But you could put him in golf, you could put him in baseball. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is you don't talk about inside the NBA on TNT without talking about Charles Barkley. And he is, so I think that he has to be, he has to be up there. You know, that's, that's, that's who I would go with. I think is, is Charles because, you know, I'll flip over if I know that show is on, you know, like just, just to hear (laughs) what they're talking about, because you always know it's, there's going to be something good that comes up when he's on there. I think Charles Barkley's greatest attributes as a TV analyst is one, is he always keeps it real, no matter how blunt it is or how, you know, you don't want to hear it. He will always tell you straight from the hip exactly how it is. There's no, you know, sugarcoating it. And then just the, the way he goes about it, the comedic relief, uh, you know, the, the ways that he can provide such kind of like comedy and lightheartedness to kind of, you know, when, when we're talking competitive sports, the seriousness that kind of goes around it. So, I do like the versatility of Charles Barkley. I do think where, wherever you place him, you know, no matter what sport it would be, he'd always sh- shoot it straight to you. He'd always find a way to provide some comedic relief. Uh, so, yeah, I really do like uh, Charles Barkley as well. The one thing I don't like is the comment here from Jonathan Gabrick. I am not a Boog Shiambi guy. I have told you this <laughs> on he's also a play-by-play guy, so, yeah. I wish that Boog Shiambi never – got this contract with marquee sports to the cubs because he is probably my least favorite person to listen to i think he is boring i think that he is it's just i don't know he just always seems to be talking to talk i don't think he he necessarily he, he fills air rather than than kind of just letting moments kind of ride out at times yeah, but that's my personal opinion um i'm a huge cubs fan but for, for me, I love when Book Shiambi is off on Sundays with ESPN and I get to listen <laughs> to the alternate crew. 
Yeah, I think he'd be, you know, suit, you know, better suited with maybe, a, you know, more personality in terms of his analyst anyway. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's that booth has been, you know, a little dull the last. Yeah, it doesn't years. help. The, the pairing yeah. of those two isn't the best situation for Boog So, you know, you've been you've been trying to give me to give him a break. I guess I can <laughs> I can relax a little bit. All right. Before we wrap up, David Jones said, great observation about Estime running laterally, but was that Audric choosing to go laterally or not having a choice because the offensive line was, uh, I, I assume he means not getting any movement. I, you know, and that's a very fair point as well, and that probably did play into it. And, you know, that's something that, that again, I'll uh, be watching when training camp starts, you know, exactly what that – what that uh, offensive line looks like. I do think it's going to be a lot better. And, and Estime is, is a guy who was on my list of players to watch yesterday. So we'll be watching him and uh, seeing exactly what that looks like. And if it's, you know, how different those holes are and, and maybe how that affects his running as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, big point, big point to hit on is I think Notre Dame success offensively, they have to be able to run the ball. So if they can, they can establish a good run game and then establish, you know, some passing off of that. They'll be in great shape. But I yep. really do think that they have to establish that run game with whoever, you know, whatever trio duo is going to be back there this season. I think they'll be able to. All right. As we finish up, a reminder, hit that like button on YouTube, subscribe, rate, comment, all that different kind of stuff on the audio podcast platforms. We appreciate you listening. Jesse, great stuff from you tonight. Have a, uh, a great rest of your week and I'll see you again soon. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. I, it was a great day of topics. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. We turned right through. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow. IB Nation Sports Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.